in, in my experience, you've got to be doing something you're excited to do. You know, and if you pick something that you didn't like prospecting, what does that look like? Well, did, did you do that because you decided that that's the best path of success in your business? And that's also what you're good at? Maybe some, but not most, you know, depending on what that prospecting scenario looks like, you're probably doing something you're never going to like, and it's always a grind. So one of the things we talk about is, you know, there's a lot of ways to build a business in real estate. Let's find one that you're excited and passionate about and wired to do. It is still work. It is still, you know, the grind, but it's a grind that you're, you're good at. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Roger Hall and Jared Lee. We had Jared Lee on the podcast a little while ago. This was the guy who was doing a lot of transactions by just doing the things he loved in life and bringing people along the ride and doing transactions. So he's brought Dr. Roger Hall today to talk about mindset, peak performance, and we're going to get into how that is and how it relates to real estate. Dr. Roger Hall has written two books, The DIY Brain and Staying Happy and Productive, The 10 Things Most... I'm going to get this slightly wrong. The 10 Things Most people Successful People Do... But Dr. Roger Hall, thanks for coming on the show. Let's start right away with what is the biggest mindset mistake that business people, maybe real estate agents are making? Uh, the number one is, is, is they're not aware of the mindset problems that they have. They've, they've never, they, they just kind of roll along in their life and they never stop and examine their thinking and how thinking drives everything. So mo most people are just scurrying around mm -hmm. reacting rather than understanding how their mindset, how their thinking affects everything. And this is probably a large part, would you say, due to the fact that they're, they're so focused on making the dollar right now that it's just like a lack of recognizing the value of planning or? You know, it's not just planning. It, it's, it, I would argue it's really self-awareness. Uh, we all have a stream of consciousness that runs through our mind all the time. We're constantly having an internal dialogue. And very rarely will people ever look at, at that stream of consciousness or that, that inner dialogue. And the work I do with people is, is I get a bucket and I scoop it into that stream of consciousness and I sample what's in their head. And what I typically find out is there's, there's head trash. There's trash floating down the stream of consciousness and they're not aware of it. Most people have no idea how to monitor their thinking. And if they can't monitor it, they can't manage it. So I had a gal on the podcast maybe eight months ago, and she said like all the bottlenecks in a real estate business or in a leader's business comes back to unprocessed past trauma. Would you uh, initially agree with that statement? Would you, would you not agree with that statement? No, I wouldn't agree with that. Trauma is a factor, but it depends on how, how big the circle of, of what, what's contained in trauma. We all have regular life experiences that set us on a pattern of thinking that don't have to be trauma. So it, it's any past experience trains us to think in a certain way. Trauma is a subset of that, but even my good experiences give me a mindset. So it's, it's, if there's a bottleneck, it's, it's a problem in thinking coming from a past pattern that no longer works. And that past pattern could be good or it could be trauma. If, if people recognize that their mindset is like a complete dumpster full of trash, 
Like, do do yeah. they like need to figure out and roll the dumpster away or and start new, so to speak, or is it gradual improvement? What's what's the right process for for cleaning up your mind? Yeah, I I wish there was like a magic button you could push on your head to reset. That that's called a stroke. Okay, <laughs> it, 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 nobody wants that. You know, I I. I know a person who had a stroke as a young man, and his whole life changed um, because it affected the part of his personality and interests. And, and so he's super functional as an adult, but he's a really different person. You don't want that. You don't want to have a stroke. So all of the change you're going to make is going to be gradual. I mean, it, it, it took you a lifetime to build your brain in a certain way. And if you want to modify it, it's going to take a long time to change the way your neurons are connected. And the way you change the way your neurons are connected is you start thinking differently and behaving differently. And in time, the neurons will reconnect differently. Do you have to take one thought at a time? Can you tackle multiple? Good question. That, that's, that's a fantastic question. I'm, I'm, definitely of the one at a time model. Um, what happens is, is people, well, I'll, I'll give you this example. What's, what's January 17th? Uh, I'm not sure. It's national national quitters day. That's the day <laughs> that most people quit on their new year's resolutions. Oh and the reason, the reason new year's resolutions fail is not because, and people tell me, oh, I have failure planning or they didn't want it enough. You know what the reason New Year's resolutions fail is we choose more than one. If we look at people who decide I'm going to change one thing at a time, then they're far more likely to make that fundamental change. There's a great deal of research uh, explained by a guy, named, a guy named Charles Duhigg in a book called The Power of Habit. And he talks about a thing called a keystone habit. And if I want to change a series of habits, what he says is you get one habit and you get that so that it's just like breathing. And then once you've changed that habit so that it's just like breathing, then you add another on top of that and you add another. So it's a foundational habit. And so when people ask me, well, there's this thing that's really hard for me to change. Should I start there or should I start with an easy? And my answer is always start with the easy because you've got to get a win and you've got to get a foundational habit started. So if we were to talk about like say weight loss, is weight loss yeah. one habit or is weight loss a series of habits? Weight, weight loss and food are really, uh, they're a thousand decisions a day. And so changing one factor at a time rather than saying, well, let me pause there. You can change everything all at once. Here's how you do it. You hire Jenny Craig, you throw away all of your food, and then you let Jenny and her team make all the food decisions for you. Now, if you're not willing to throw away all your food and substitute with someone else taking control of your life, then it's one thing at a time. So let's look at a, a cup of coffee. Do you drink coffee, Matt? Uh, not very often, but... but not, so so do, you, do, you, do you drink tea? Do you drink anything lots else? Lots of water. Lots of water. Okay, so water doesn't have a lot of decisions. Let's use yeah. coffee. So people go, go get a cup of coffee in the morning. What are the decisions involved with just a cup of coffee? It's like regular, decaf, decaf, how big? Then do you put a creamer in? If it's a creamer, is it 
an almond creamer? Is it a soy creamer? Is it an oat creamer? Is it real milk? Is it half and half? So we're up to nine here. Then do you have a sweetener? That's one. So is it is it honey? Is it sugar? Is it an artificial sweetener? Do you, you see where 100%. I'm going? On a single consumption of food, you've already got 13 or 14 decisions. And so when you want to change in weight loss, you've got a thousand decisions a day. So t- choosing one subset of those things, like, okay, I'm going to change my breakfast. That's enough until that becomes a keystone habit. Then you change your lunch or you, you, you change if you're going to eat one of those meals. So it's one thing at a time, starting with small things, building keystone habits, build, 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 build until you've got you know, a skyscraper. So let's talk about the Jenny Craig analogy. So essentially that's outsourcing yeah. the decisions. Is it a good mm-hmm. path for the average person to like, if they're really struggling to go that sort of route, outsource, the, outsource their decisions for a while, take some time, regroup, and then build a plan? Or is it better for them to tackle it one, one at a time? Well, let, um, if you're really desperate, yeah, Jenny Craig is a great, a, a great model. The, the difficulty with Jenny Craig or residential drug treatment programs or any sort of go away and have a life-changing experience is it works great in that environment, but then when you have to go back to your regular environment, then you have all the decisions again. And so you start, make, you start making mistakes. So my recommendation is if you're desperate, try Jenny Craig, try residential drug treatment, you know, the special go away, improve your marriage thing. But what happens is when you get back to the real world, those usually fail unless you have um, a, a path and a plan to change one thing at a time. And you see that with the biggest loser show, like how much they gain when they come back and so on and so forth. So let's take this away from weight loss and bring it into real estate. What, and then maybe yeah. Jared, maybe you have to chime in on this too. What are some of the mindset trash that you see most often in real estate agents and team leaders? Oh, I think it varies from a, a defeated attitude to um, a bad outlook, a bad worldview. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on and on. But I think if we reel it back to what Roger was saying is you've got to understand what those thoughts are in the first place. It could be any number of things. A lot of them could be self-defeating and counterproductive. So you, you just have to figure out what it is. And what we're proposing is we'll help you figure that out. You know, hey, if you've got a lot of good thoughts and worldviews and perspectives and an attitude. That's great. Let's, let's work on the things that you, that, that we can. But, uh, generally what we find is, you know, kind of life creates a lot of bad and you've got to figure out what those are and how to get over it. That's why we call a, a large portion of our uh, perfect real estate business is personalized because we're all different. We've all had different experiences in life and relationships and on and on. So you got to can't just jump on, you know, what I call somebody else's treadmill and start running. Yeah. You know, you figure out your own kind of situation and then we help evolve from there. So like if someone, if, if we're analyzing someone that's maybe not performing at the level that they want, how do we know if it's a strategy problem versus a mindset problem? It's almost a mi- always mindset. It's almost, it's almost always mindset. Yeah. Um, so walk us through then. So, so like, let's say 
one of the ways that I know I have a mindset issue is I know what I should do and I don't do it. Like, yep. so walk us through, like, if someone has that problem, like I know I should be prospecting or I know I should be insert whatever real estate activity, but I'm not. What, what does the process look like for them to overcome that? So part of it is how, how do you, how do you hack your own bad habits? And so, um, you know you should be prospecting. So what's the specific behavior you think you need to do to start prospecting that you really don't want to do? Yeah, I mean, if if I'm being honest with myself, a lot of times it's like, well, I would like my day to be easier, right? Because I know if I prospect, let's say, you know, it could be fear of rejection, right? Although for me personally, I've been rejected over half a million times. So, but even if I go, like, even if I go on vacation for a week or two, if I have to prospect again, like that, that callus is a little softer than it was before the vacation. So it could be a combination for a lot of people listening. It could be a fear of rejection. It could be, and I just, I just don't want to struggle that much today. See, that's, to me, that's a mindset issue, which is I don't want to struggle today. That's, that's how life works. I mean, life, you know, all of life is somewhat of a struggle. You know, people go, boy, wouldn't it be nice if I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth and had, <laughs> had, you know, uh, I, I'd be able to work real well if I already had that leg up. You know, I work with trust fund babies, at least I have in the past. I don't like working with them. I mean, these are people who are in their mom's basement. It's a million, it's a, it's, it's a multi-million dollar mansion. Better than most people's houses. They're in their mom's basement. Yeah. Better than <laughs> most people's houses. Right, right. So, and, but they're playing Call of Duty and they're smoking great weed, but they don't have a really good life. So all of, all of life is a struggle. The difference between an amateur and a pro is a pro gets up every morning and does the work. And, and that's, that's part of being a pro is even if you don't feel like it, you go out and you just beat it down. And, and so what, what people think is at some point there won't be struggle. No, there will always be struggle. Human life is a contrast between struggle and rest struggle and rest it's just a basic biology and if you have too much of one and never of the other then you get worn out and that's both ways if you have nothing but rest nothing but recreation that creates a kind of stress if you have nothing but struggle that creates a kind of stress but human beings are built for that contrast some struggle some rest some struggle some rest yeah 100 percent. when you see and when not, people retire i mean they die really quickly yes uh, Matt, I was going to interject one other thing, too, is um, when you mentioned prospecting, you know, in, in my experience, you've got to be doing something you're excited to do. You know, and if you pick something that you didn't like prospecting, what does that look like? Well, did, did you do that because you decided that that's the best path of success in your business? And that's also what you're good at? Maybe some, but not most, you know, depending on what that prospecting scenario looks like, you're probably doing something you're never going to like, and it's always a grind. So one of the things we talk about is, you know, there's a lot of ways to build a business in real estate. Let's find one that you're excited and passionate about and wired to do. It is still work. It is still, you know, the grind, but it's a grind that you're, you're good at. So I think that's a, that's a miss quite often. Yeah. Jared made a, a great um, clarification, Matt. Um, what I was focused on was the part of your day that is the grind. Everybody has grind in their day. They have stuff that they just don't like to do. And what pros do is they push through it. Um, 
what what Jared is talking about is, and I agree with completely is a concept called flow. Are you familiar with this concept? Yeah, flow, flow state. Yeah, being in a flow state. So the researcher who who did who coined the term is a guy named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. If if you just type in M I H A L Y into Google, it'll auto complete his last name because it's you know they should have called him Doctor Alphabet because he got a letter <laughs> every single letter in his last name. So Doctor Csikszentmihalyi said essentially when you're solving a challenging problem in your domain of expertise, you lose the sense of time. You join with the work, and it's a real experience of pleasure in in that concentrated work. And happy people experience flow every day or nearly every day. And in my study of exceptional people, you want to know how much flow they experience every day? Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us, and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Um, let's say 30 minutes. Uh, 30 minutes, 30 minutes to two hours. If you can find that thing that you do that puts you in flow and you do that half hour to two hours a day, if you do it two hours a day, you will be a world-class person at what you do. But even then, even world-class people, you know, world-renowned in what they do, have six hours of just grind work. And so I don't want anybody to think, oh, I'm going to be in flow all the time and it's going to be easy. So it's this combination. You've got to have that flow state every day or nearly every day in order to, for you to keep the momentum going. And you've got to, to recognize there's sometimes you just get up and you do things that aren't fun because that's just, that's just the way life is. So let's talk about – so you talk about six hours of grind. Like, I mean, I kind of would, would put things into three categories, and you could tell me if it's an accurate assessment. Like, flow to me is like, I mean, when – like you said, you lose yourself, and you're just going. Yep. And then there's like maybe happy working, but you're not in flow. And then, of course, grind. Yep. Like, if we're looking at it, I mean, the way you presented the numbers, it's like 75% of your workday is grind. Is that, is that a, a good ratio, like, for someone to be able to sustain? Yeah, what, what happens to us, and the reason we're not more successful and the reason we're dissatisfied with our work 
is we do all the grind stuff and we never get to the flow stuff. What makes really successful people really successful is they segment an area and they build a fence and a wall around it. So they have a little bit of flow time every day when their mind is at its peak, when they're most able to concentrate. And it's different for different people. Some people it's the morning, some people it's night. Um, but but they, they, they find that space and they take good care of it. And then the rest, yeah, you just got to do, you know, we've all got correspondence. We've all got meetings. We've all got bills, you know, that that's all stuff that we all have to do. So what, like, how important is it for somebody to find their flow state? Well, this goes back to what, what Jared was talking about is different people find different flow states appealing or different activities take them into flow state. So for me, if I'm, if I'm doing a public presentation or if I'm working with a client doing a consultation and solving a, a people problem or a thought problem, I'm in flow. So that's solving a challenging problem in my domain of expertise. If I do plumbing, that's solving a challenging problem in an area where it creates incredible anxiety for me. So again, it goes back to self-awareness, which is what are the things that are my domain of expertise? You put me in front of a bunch of calculus problems, nothing but anxiety for me. If someone's never experienced flow in their life and they become a real estate agent, how do they know if they're just mentally weak versus like they're not moving in a direction, like they're not in their area of expertise? Yeah. Everyone has experienced flow. Everyone has. What most people have not done is paid attention to it. Again, they're not monitoring what's happening in their internal state. So every one of us has experienced flow. It's when you lose the sense of time, when you're focused on an activity. Now, the difficulty for a lot of people is they experience flow in areas that won't make them any money. So I, I know people who love to golf, but they're not good enough to, to be a money winner. They experience flow on the course. Okay, you're not going to make money or you're, you're, you're not going to make money in your state of flow. Now, there are ways you can adapt that, which is you can use golf as a marketing opportunity for you or a sales opportunity. Then you can experience flow and connect it. So part of it is marrying your state of flow with some other aspect of your work. Music is another example. Um, Nashville is full of people playing in hotel lobbies who should have recording contracts. There, there's a super abundance of very talented people in Nashville playing music. That's where they experience flow. So how do they make money? Well, they, they adapt their musical talents to some other area that's likely to make them money. A lot of times people have like, like you mentioned golf and, and music. A lot of times people have flow in what they would perceive maybe as their hobbies. And, and then they end yeah. up going and working a job. Like, should yep. they be marrying? I mean, I know that's one thing that Jared's done that I think is really cool is, I mean, he's taken his flow with biking and adventure and brought it into his workspace. Should, should these musicians be bringing, like, is that what you're talking about when you say adaption? I, I think that's one way of doing it. Um, 
I'll give you an example. I, I worked with a, a chemical manufacturer, and their head of the facilities maintenance was a guy whose um, avocation, where he got into flow, his avocation was a luthier. Do you know what a luthier is? He's a guitar maker. He builds guitars. So here he is figuring out all day during the day how to how to fix a vacuum seal on a one-ton mixer that um, mixes chemicals. And at night, he's he's building these beautiful guitars. Well, both are solving thing problems. They're they're mechanical problems. One's precision. Well, they're both precision, but they're different orders of scale. So he really got his meaning out of his vocation. He was in flow when he's building guitars, but there are things about solving physical problems with things that he did in his daily work. So you can you can figure out, if, if you know what you really love, what of that can you apply to your money-making part well, This of your is life. an interesting take on it. So basically what you're saying is, okay, if you actually study your hobby, you break down yep. your hobby not to, for what it is, guitars. It's like what is the underskill or the underconcept that's creating that flow and that exists somewhere in the marketplace. Yes. Yes. Yeah. My, my example in our prior podcast, Matt, was I love recreating and I love socializing, being around people. So for me to not have a separation between my work life and my personal life makes sense because why wouldn't I take the opportunity to further my friendship process with my clients? I'm doing what I love to do. I'm being active and I'm in front of people, but I'm also bringing clients into my, into my life. 100%. And vice versa. So, but but it starts with that first question. What what's the biggest problem? It's self awareness. People don't know what's in their thoughts. They don't know themselves well enough, and they assume everyone likes the same stuff they do. Yeah, 100%. you know, one of the things we all would say to other people is, "How hard could it be? Like, it's easy for me. Why can't you do it?" Well, because they're not good at that stuff and they don't like it. Yeah, and even when the task seems simple, a lot of times they're simple because the person doing them is really really talented. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just remember going and watch professional baseball players catch balls in the outfield. And I'm like, gosh, they make that look easy. Or like me on a sales call, people are like, oh, I could do that. And it's like, well, well, maybe um, if you say this thing the right way to the right person, it, it actually becomes easy. But if you say it slightly differently, good luck. It, right. That that's exactly it. Uh, there's a it's called the Dunning Kruger effect. Have you heard uh -huh. of this before? Yeah, but, but say, the Dunning Kruger. Say that, yeah. yeah, the Dunning Kruger effect is when you're an expert, you look at amateurs and you think, why can't they do this? This isn't that hard. And you forget the thousands of hours it took you to get to that level of expertise. The opposite is true. When amateurs look at experts, experts make it look so easy that amateurs think, well, I could do that. And they can't, <laughs> which is why experts think they can be podcasters. There's a gazillion podcasters, uh, but it's really hard to, to do a good show. Yeah. And, and you have to have a real passion for it. And this is, this kind of brings me to an interesting question because podcasting for me is where I feel at least if not in flow, I feel alive. And so the, what's the problem if there is one of somebody deciding, you know, what, I want to be in flow eight hours a day. I don't want to be in flow two hours a day. Um, I, I'm the brain just can't keep up. It, it, it's so, it feels good, 
but it's such a taxing activity because you're concentrating on solving a challenging problem. And at the end of that, you'll be exhausted and your brain will need recovery. Our brains are not designed to be in flow state for eight hours a day. So take what you can get and enjoy it. <laughs> right. Otherwise, I'm, I'm overdosing on flow. Um, there will be a consequence. <laughs> I mean, it burns so much fuel in your brain. Your brain's going to be tired and you're, you're going to want to sleep a lot. Yeah. So like on a day like today, like we'll do seven podcasts and then, and yep. then we'll go home. And then it's like, it's, it's such a weird feeling. It's like the day was so good and so enjoyable, but then you get home, you spend time with kids and then you are out. Yes. So be because you go ahead. your brain is using so much fuel, Matt, you know, your, your brain occupies between two and 5% of your body mass, but consumes 20 to 25% of the fuel that your body burns. And if you're in flow, your brain is burning fuel like crazy. Of course you're exhausted. Got it. Hence the rest, the need for rest. So your recommended scenario is a little bit of flow every day, as opposed to a big flow day and then no flow days. Well, you know, if, if you're if you're lucky enough to get one day that's full of flow, rock on, yeah. buddy. I mean, that's awesome. But then on the other days, see if you can get a little bit of flow every day. Amazing. 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 So let's, let's kind of tie it back to real estate professionals. So, so you would say the number one thing that real estate professionals can benefit from is getting a sense of how their brain works, who they are, their thought processes. What would be like a quick, here's how you do that. The thing I assign to er almost everybody I work with is a thought monitoring process and it takes a week. Um, so what you do is you take your phone and you set an alarm on it every hour on the hour from seven to five, or if you get up late from eight to six, or if you get up even later, nine to, nine to seven, but 10 hours. And every time the alarm goes off, you have to write down on a pad of paper what you were thinking of right then. Hmm. Now, I don't want, like, I don't write a journal and then my feelings got hurt and then I've, felt in love with the world, you know, none of that. It's like, if you, if you're thinking that, you know, that idiot on the phone, I, you know, what can I do to get him back? Or if you're thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Or how am I going to make payroll? Or I ought to have done something different, whatever it is, you write those thoughts down. And if you, all you're writing down is I want a cheeseburger. Oh, okay. What I find a lot of people have a lot of food related thoughts. Um, but what I do is you, you go through the week, that's the thought monitoring phase and you have 70 observations. And then when you read through those 70 observations, you almost always find a pattern. And here are the three patterns that I find in terms of the emotional content. One is excessive anger. Like you're irritated at people, you're frustrated. The other is excessive anxiety. <coughs> You feel stressed. You feel urgent. And the other, the third is excessive guilt. I shoulda, I oughta have. It's one of those three. And what you do then is you find out, okay, what are the patterns of thought that are destructive in my head? And that, those 70 observations got you practiced 
in figuring out how to monitor your thinking. That's the most important thing you've done is you've trained yourself through 70 practices on how to monitor your thinking. The second phase is thought stopping. So the next week, whenever one of those guilty thoughts come in or angry thoughts, whatever it is, you go, oh, there it is again. Oh, I see it. That's not productive. That doesn't get me, that doesn't get me where I want to go. And then the third phase is thought replacement. And this is where you need a helper. So you find a trusted advisor, a consultant, a counselor, a pastor, a religious leader, somebody you trust, some family, trusted family advisor. And you say, here are my thoughts. What can I replace those with that are both true and productive? So that's where you need the help. And those three steps, thoughts, monitoring, thought stopping, and thought replacement are the most important pieces of, of starting this self-awareness and self-control. Just to get a little more granular on this. So when I get done with the hour, I'm not writing down the yep. thoughts I had to, across the hour. I'm right downing the thought that second. That moment. That moment. What you're doing is you're, you're essentially putting the bucket in their stream of consciousness yeah. to see what comes up. And you don't need to look at the whole last hour. It's like right now. Yeah, and so the three realms are essentially guilt, fear, and anger. And anger. Or anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Which is different. Than... Yeah, well, that's a whole nother talk, the difference between fear okay, and anxiety. Okay, cool. Yeah, but so if, we'll have to. If people talk. I'd love to do that talk at some point. That's a good one, too. If people talk about feeling stressed or urgency, that's anxiety. Yeah. Okay, got it. Awesome. Well, what are you guys up to the next 12 to 18 months? Um, really, it's developing out the, the the perfect real estate business and and getting that launched. And uh, we certainly invite others to to chime in and let us know their interest. But it's it's doing exactly what Dr. Hall is talking about: is understanding who you are, what you're about, how you think. You know what's made you successful, what's made you unsuccessful. Uh, what can we do to to put you in a, in a in a flow state of how you build a business, and and then how do you address the things that aren't in flow and Really, that's why we call it, we call it a holistic, personalized business coaching effort because it needs to be both of those. It needs to be holistic for you as a being, as an integrated being, and then it needs to be personalized to you, what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and how you want to do it. Um, so we'll have challenges and then coaching programs that people can can come into. Um, the the third book that Dr. Hall has is is, is a, what a program or. Um, you know, that, that we'll go through. It's a course. It's a course. There you go. And we'll just walk through it. So you, you really, in a, in a coaching program, whether it's real estate or any other, you know, life or business, it's really um, setting that foundation, which is, you know, in the mind first, um, and then introducing the different specific uh, aspects of your, your real estate business or whatever it is that, that you're working on. So uh, we're just we're just building all that out. So I, I, I'll add a couple things. So um, one is is together we're we're going to um, record a course, an expedition course. The the course book I have is called Expedition, and so we're going to record um, the the sessions of that and, and and try to prepare that to make that available online so people can can get the content without having me in person. Um, and the other thing is I'm, I'm writing my fourth book. So my, my last book is called DIY Brain, Do-It-Yourself Brain. And the next one, the, the tentative title is called DIY Leader Brain, which is 
what extra things do leaders need to keep in mind in and if you're a leader in your family if you're a leader in your in your civic group or your religious group or you're a leader at work whatever it is these are the the additional things you need to learn awesome well dr roger hall jared lee thanks so much for coming on guys if you're out there listening mindset is so big and i know some people say we talk about it too much but the reality is is that a lot of times we're not successful because we're just not doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. So write down something you guys learned from today. Share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 